Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 368. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Ian Gray. Ian is a serial entrepreneur who lives life with passion for creating inspirational experiences. Oh my gosh, I just filled that whole thing with bloopers, but I want to apologize to you listeners and also to Ian, who already knows, because I told him in the pre-chat, we have been going through a home buying experience, and today the owner that we're buying from is here doing work. So you may hear dogs barking, but I am so excited about this conversation that I didn't want to reschedule. So remember, positive productivity is not about perfection, and sometimes the show must go on. But Ian, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really excited. I got to listen to some of the podcasts over the course of the last week. And I have to say, like some of the guests that you have on here are just amazing, providing so much value. I can only imagine how uh, great the individuals are that listen to this. So I feel like it's a huge honor to be part of this. So thank you for having me. And everybody, thank you for listening up. And please stay on throughout the whole entire podcast, whether there's dogs barking, hammers hammering, or one of us is crying. This is going to get good. <laughs> I tripped over a toy coming into listeners. I am recording my first ever episode in what we call the orphanage in my house. It's where my three youngest share a bedroom. That is so not an appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because there's three beds in here. And oh my gosh, that makes us sound horrible. But it's like, yeah, that's just what we call it. So I tripped over one of those horse on a sticks that my son Davey rides around the house and it just started neighing and then it wouldn't shut up for me to push record. But yeah, all in good fun. So Ian, I would love if you would share about your backstory and what you do now and how you got here, because I was blown away when I heard it for the first time. And I know listeners are going to be blown away as well. Yeah, I think I'll give a, a bit of a highlight and then you can choose to go anywhere that you think might be a awesome. little place to go deeper. And or we can talk more about now, which is being in heaven and earth. So this is the real fun part. And this is where I'm welcoming people to come in. So I mean, I grew up in a family in uh, in Westchester County, New York, in a town called Croton and Hudson. And we were kind of more on the less affluent side, so to speak. And I was told growing up pretty much all the time, we didn't have money for that. Whatever I was looking to acquire was something we didn't have money for. Anything I was looking to do, didn't have money for. Sometimes what looking to eat, didn't have money for. So I came up with this belief that we were just like extreme poverty. And I actually found out later that might not have been the case. And maybe my parents were just embellishing on this no money for thing. But it ended up being part of my winning formula because at a very early age, I decided that I'm when I'm capable, when I can be out in the world, that I'm never going to say no because of money. I'll say no, maybe there's not the value for the money. However, I'm not going to say no to my children or anybody else because I can't afford to do it. And this really kind of took shape for me when I was just eight years old. And when I realized how powerful I was, because I was asking my father for a motocross bike. I had been asking since my earliest memories, that's what I wanted, and always asked, 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 and always was repeated the same question, we don't have money for that. But this time was actually different. My father said, when you can afford one, you can have one. And that actually begun my entrepreneurial journey where I just started raking leaves, picking up dog poop, shoveling snow, mowing lawn, whatever I could do to make a little bit of money and didn't get paid very much for it, but I didn't mind because I had this mission to come get a motorcycle. And by 11 years old, I actually came home with my first motocross bike. My father was like, what is this? And I just looked up at him and I was like, you said when I was eight that I could have one when I could afford one. And that's when I kind of got the, the view in his eyes, like, oh my gosh, what did I just create? I at was that thinking point, that was same like, thing. If <laughs> Kids don't forget, parents. Kids don't forget. So don't say anything that you won't hold true to. Yeah. Um, that's a beautiful thing about children. I don't have any yet. What I've seen is that they're absolute mirrors of their parents and it's uh, parents can help enable them or put clouds around them. I think we talked about this a little bit before the interview on how um, I think Kim, you said 
you were told you're either going to get a lot of trouble or you're going to be super successful. And it tends to be that the rule breakers are the ones that are making moves, that are actually creating new rules, redefining the rules, bending the rules, or having none at all that actually accomplish a great deal of success and joy in their life. Oh, absolutely. When I have tried to follow rules, that's when I've wound up depressed and anxious and actually mm. failing miserably financially, emotionally, physically, all of the above. So I love that. Yeah. I got told the same thing and I took this on as a real positive thing. And I actually um, got into a career of motocross, got all the way up to pro ranks. I graduated high school early so I could actually go explore pro ranks, end up having a detour going straight to college, graduated college early, thinking that when I got done with college, then I could go pursue it. And then when I graduated college, I actually ended up getting a, a job in sales and was like top of the board after about a month and a half of being there and just was crushing it. So I was just used to winning all of the time. Like everything in life was like this great flow. And in the meantime, I was getting my master's degree. So I got my master's degree finally. And living 21 years old in my parents' basement, I quit my, my job. Actually, I think I was about 22 at that point and had all this money in my bank and a master's degree under my belt and just left to Europe. And I was like, I'm going to go travel Europe and go study some uh, German in Austria. I got to Switzerland, realized it was cold. Like, this is not where I want to be. So I actually moved to Malaga and then I went, I met a, a beautiful Swedish woman, amazing, like inside and out woman. And her and I ended up moving together back to Sweden. I learned Swedish, got a job in sales, and all of a sudden just hit a wall. My sales commissions weren't really paying out what I was used to. Actually, it really wasn't paying much at all. I started running out of money. I got to a point where I was like not winning. I was worse than not winning. I was like, in my mind, completely losing because I was actually on supplemental housing income. I was so broke, I couldn't even pay my rent. And things began to unravel and I began to experience the pain of not enoughness of not. And then I unraveled to feeling not lovable, not worthy. And I started getting into a deep depression. So eventually I left completely broke and heartbroken and moved back into my parents' basement feeling absolutely defeated. At that time, I actually borrowed money from my parents just so I could even get to work and get a job. And I got another sales job quickly was able to, uh, actually pay them back and quit that job. Cause I realized that what I was selling was not what was being delivered. And I was like, you know what, this time I've got to do all of it so that I can really stand behind the product or service that I'm going to offer. So I started an advertising agency with my credit card in just over three years, actually sold it for enough money to put myself into retirement. So before I was even 30 years old, I was retired, multimillionaire, single, living between New York City and South Beach. So I had like this major level of success. And then I started feeling another dip because I had no purpose. At first, the celebration was great. And I partied and lived it up. I'm like, I've arrived. I've gotten everything I wanted. And now this is where life, I got to retire before I was even 30. You know, my father, unfortunately, is going to have to work. Um, well, actually, I I wrote him a pretty big check so he could retire then. So, but he had to work all these extra years. And then I had no purpose. So I started looking for something else to do. And I got back into racing motocross, ended up traveling around the country in an RV, looking at different motocross tracks, hitting national monuments. I was like still flying on top of the world. And then I bought a motocross track in Floresville, Texas, which is in the middle of nowhere. I went from living in, uh, traveling in an RV and going back and forth from New York to Miami with, with a penthouse and another luxury condo that was just gorgeous. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, living in my RV in a town with a population of like 5,000 people. Big, That's big not change. much of a change. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but I actually moved from Westchester County myself. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, I was in the Fleetwood area of Mount Vernon mm. to... Southwest Ohio, which oh. my town is a little bit bigger than where you were in Texas. It's about 40,000 people, but it's still considered a suburb of Dayton. But it was a huge shock. I mean, going from Westchester folk to Midwestern, surrounded by corn and soy fields, is about as much of a shock to the system as you 
can possibly get. And before Westchester and working in New York and Greenwich, I was in Chicago for four years. So coming here, holy moly. Sorry to interrupt that, though. Yeah. So you're living in your RV. Yeah. So I'm living in my RV on a 105 acres that I had purchased motocross track. And I, I was obsessed. I remembered how motocross actually gave me so much direction in my life. It gave me, taught me how to be strategic about things, how to plan, how to manage my money, how to pick myself up from falling literally and figuratively. And even, uh, it taught me about how to win gracefully, how to lose gracefully. So it taught me all these skills that I was able to take into business. And the track was actually going bankrupt, which when they reached out to me, I realized that this place needed to be safe for the community and for the family. And it gave me a lot of passion and drive. I invested a lot of time and money. I was super passionate about it. I built a night track where I was actually the one going up and shining the lights in every single direction. I would run bulldozers and loaders and skid steers and tractors. And I was doing like every bit of the work that I could do and had a team of people helping me promoting the events. I was also racing. So it was really fun at start, but then it started to wear on me because it was just so many hours every single day. And in the small town, it's much different mentality that I was used to being surrounded with where people would focus on anything that was negative. I never really experienced that to that degree before. And I started to take on this victim type mentality and started falling asleep. And I actually went into huge depression, even though I had millions in the bank doing what I should be loving doing every single day. All of a sudden, I became like the biggest jerk. I really alienated everybody around me. I felt sorry for myself all the time and got to the point where like I was watching Zeitgeist and Infowars and anything else that would support the agenda that the world is coming to the end and was at the point of like ready to start building a bunker for doomsday prepping. Wow. It was a pretty low, low time in my life, even though I had every single thing at my disposal that I ever thought that I wanted. It was pretty, pretty amazing to see how the mind is actually what can control my experience of things. And that actually was a blessing in the long term because I actually had to now clean everything up, all these weeds that I had started planting in my mind, and then actually come out of that and return to the person that I was before, but now with this new knowledge, which gave me a really, really deep spiritual connection. So I actually own uh, San Antonio Raceway, which is the drag strip in San Antonio, and the motocross track. I have that as well now and have a whole different way of doing it where I'm not operational. And I spend all my time reverse engineering the practices that allow me to experience heaven and earth and actually really embody that so that when I'm just with other people, just my presence alone, I can raise their vibe and then I can get into the words that I use. And that's a key component of manifestation so that I actually can help people to leap and up level from wherever they're at just with almost razor sharpness. And what was the moment when you realized that you needed to turn around your mindset? Oh, well, it's funny. I, it happened kind of in stages. I was so asleep. I didn't like have the awareness around the new practices that I was doing. However, the, the biggest kicker was one weekend I had uh, a motocross race. It was 4th of July weekend. I had fireworks out there. And I also had a race at the the drag strip. I went and managed the race at the drag strip. My wife took over for the motocross track because we didn't have anybody else in place. And I got back from the raceway at 2 o'clock in the morning. My wife was completely devastated because the race didn't go as planned. And people were like trashing the place. And she was describing to me how they were treating her and treating everybody else. And it really broke my heart. And then it really actually hit me in the morning. I got up and I walked over to see what she was talking about. And I found like garbage bags. We had given garbage bags to people instead of using the trash bin. So they would just take their trash with them and there wouldn't be so much trash all over the property. And instead, the garbage bags were like thrown up in trees. There was trash everywhere. It was like they deliberately were trashing this place that I created for families to come and enjoy racing with. And racing kept my family together for a large part of time. I was so bewildered and I actually just 
drop to my knees and cover my face. And I was just actually like in tears, like, oh my gosh, I've just invested the last three years of my life into this, three and a half years at that point and millions of dollars. And this is where I'm at. I've, I've got to change something that I'm doing because I, I must be creating this stuff. Wow. So what did you do right then? So once I finally got back up to my feet, I walked back over to my house, which is about a half mile walk through nice, beautiful rolling fields and got in and told my wife, like, this is it. We're changing everything. We're changing everything we're doing. I'm not even opening that place for a little while. And we're going to focus on the raceway and focus on our lives and what we want to make of it. And that really, it started off really slow. It seemed like it was going to be like a forever ride. However, once we got a little momentum, things changed really, really quickly. So the first year or two, we really just delved into more of a personal development and mm-hmm. just actually looking within and who am I being and how am I showing up to the world and what am I doing to create these experiences? Everything from doing a lot of belief hacking and understanding the psychology of the mind and the conscious and the subconscious and the unconscious mind and shifting paradigms. And we just delve like head first and like there's going to be no stopping this. And it's just been an amazing ride ever since then. And then we actually started experiencing some quantum leaps, which was just amazing because it was like we just created alternate realities just by sitting down with hard intentions or having like clear distinctions. So you're not in Texas anymore, though. You're in South Beach when I'm talking to you. So that, I mean, the three pillars of positive productivity are self-care systems and support. So we already, Mm -hmm. I mean, you just talked about how you were working on self-care, personal development and such. But to be in South Beach now, you had to start setting up that support, right? Because you can't be in two places at once. You can't keep all the events at two tracks, going while you're in a different state. So what did that look like to you? And how, how were you able to let up control? Excellent questions. I think there's like three or four or maybe seven or 20 or an yeah, there's like 50. There. Sometimes I can't <laughs> stop myself. Yeah. So actually, I did it a little bit differently. And actually, that feeds right back into the, the quantum leaps. I was actually in in uh, Ibiza. I was living in Texas. And I went to Ibiza for an A-Fest or an Awesomeness Fest event. And if listeners, if you've never heard of this, check it out. Uh, It's really interesting. It's a curated group of individuals that are all working on themselves and really focusing on positive aspects of their life. And this was like the fourth one that we had done. And we ended up after the event was over, I didn't take my flight home. And I just looked at my wife. I'm like, we're not taking it. We're going to get invited on a boat. And she was like, what? You're going to get invited? What are you talking about? We're going to get invited on a boat by the end of the day today. We ended up getting invited on two boats and uh, we ended up taking a catamaran ride from there to Formentana. And I was actually sitting on the catamaran with these amazing individuals and they were playing this game called the I love you game. And it was just, you went to the person to your, the person on the left would say to the person on the right, something that they said that they loved about that person. And it started off with like the simple, like, oh, you take care of your hair or you're always taking care of your nails or like that you smile a lot. And it would just progressively get deeper into the essence of the being. And I ended up going last because I was at the table, but I was also getting up and cleaning up the, the mess that we had just made, making a bunch of fruit. When I sat back down, for some reason, there was an inspiration for everybody to just feed me with, I love you. So everybody went around what they loved about me. And it, it created a pivot for me to realize that I wasn't even loving myself as much as the individuals around me. So I actually always had this support. And knowing that I always had this support now with this new knowingness, this new understandingness, it actually made me realize that I hadn't been seeing the support that had always been around me. So I declared then, right then and there to my wife, like, we're going home. We're selling Texas. We're getting out of these raceway businesses, which actually turned out to be in another way where now a bunch of people came to support that and they just showed up like the universe just delivered it. I wrote down in June that I wanted to live on the beach in a nice house, nice building. Actually, I said house. I didn't even have a building in mind. And I wanted to have 
organic food on demand was like one of the little things that I put in there. I actually live in a wellness resort in one of the penthouses on top of a hotel where I have room service and the food is organic. Wow. And I can order any time of day. So it was actually, and that was only five minutes later that I ended up in this place. And I thought it was going to be like two, three years out. So actually the support is always there. It's just a matter of the awareness of the support is what Wait, I learned. How long did you say? How five long months. did the five months instead of three years? Yeah. Listeners, in our pre-chat, we were talking about how Ian's wife, who will actually be on a later episode, and I are powerful manifestors. But listen to you. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. So and now it's it's happening progressively faster as I practice certain practices. And it allows me to like just create the world I'd like to live in rather than having to go out physically and figure everything out. The thinker is off. Like it doesn't, I don't think, I don't get the thoughts in my head anymore until I sit with my heart intentions. And then I say, I'm thinking, what am I thinking? Or I'm thinking. And then all of a sudden, like spirit just gives me a beautiful channel. Now that doesn't mean that I don't fall asleep sometimes and get all like wonky as I used to be a hundred percent of the time. However, it becomes less and less that I have this state of consciousness. Wow. Okay. So I have a question about that. Mm. And I promise it will only be one in this one. <laughs> I think it's Tony Robbins or Brendan Burchard who talks about the need to make a decision. Like, just make it, right? Don't think about it. But what I've found is that some of my decisions can't be made that fast. And when I'm overthinking them, they probably aren't the best decision to be making anyway. Does that make any sense? Yes. Like, completely resonant. Okay. Because I've gotten into a trap of overthinking, over analyzing, over planning. Have you seen the same for yourself? Oh, I definitely did a lot of that. And what I actually did was when I, the more I thought about it, the more that I put up walls to it. The mistake that I found that I was making was I was making decisions which were based on my thoughts and my current paradigm of what was possible based on the circumstances that I was observing versus actually just going to my heart and saying, oh, what is it that I'm here for? Like being here alone is a gift and I have gifts to share with the world. And the only evil that I can do is to neglect and sharing those gifts with the world. So now I just return to listening to my heart intentions. Now there was a lot of practices I had to do to get clear on those and that intuition to get the mind to, to slow the F down. I don't know if I can say four letter words on this. So to get my mind to actually slow, because I'm not my thoughts. I'm just the one observing my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the average person has 70,000 thoughts in a day, 50 to 70,000 thoughts. And they're like a lot of them recurring. And they're, they're, most of them are walls, like preventing me from making any moves because I'm basing my thoughts off of situation. Right. Wow. So I am in a mastermind group with a bunch of guys and we call ourselves the unretireables. Because like you, we know that we won't be able to retire even when our bank accounts have millions in them because we're just so passionate about what we do that we wouldn't be able to sit there like that. So you came back out of retirement. You bought your tracks. You said that you were going to go back and sell them. Did you sell them or do you still own them? So that was the plan. And what ended up actually happening in the same five-month window Mm -hmm. I had a new GM show up for, actually, it wasn't even a new person. It was the person that I hired the first weekend as the person that would run the front gate, mm-hmm. continued to step up over those five months and ended up by the end of those five months becoming my general manager that could manage the track without my presence there, Wow! which was amazing. They just continued to like, I was creating illusion walls that she was just the girl that ran the gate and she could like maybe help out a little bit during the week. And then all of a sudden it was like, all of a sudden, she's running the business, all the logistics, and it's multiple businesses. There's fuel, there's merchandise, there's concessions, there's ticketing, there's a lot going on there. She just kept rising to every single challenge that I gave her. And it was a matter of me allowing her to show up as someone bigger than ever before rather than using my preconceived notions. 
And then simultaneously, somebody reached out to me to purchase the motocross track. However, they're selling a business, so they didn't have the funds to do it. So we did a lease with an option to buy. So now I still own it. I assist with the business at a very little level. Um, however, I'm paid every month regardless of rain or how much work's done or whatever kinds of events they have there. Like I'm, I'm getting paid. So, and he's a great person, great to work with both of them. So like everything just took care of itself. Once I opened up to the possibility that these other things would show up rather than focusing on all the reasons why it wouldn't or how I was going to do it. How is like one of the killer worst questions? Cause it's like a low level. How is, is like a low level yeah. thinking. Wow. Yeah. I have to agree. I've been working on taking try and if out of my vocabulary. Mm. And I think you just also added how. Yeah. I'm just going to replace it all with do. Am and do. Yeah. I got a more advanced, the highest level of questioning that I've been practicing. And it's completely changed my life. Would I want like to hear it. Yes, please. Who? Who? Really? Who? Yeah, so my who became Dina, the gate girl that now was the GM. My who became Todd, who now did the lease with the option to buy on Cycle Ranch. So actually by asking who's the person for this job, then I can put the people, them in place. They can figure out the what's. They can figure out other who's. They can figure out all the pieces on how to actually implement something. Wow. So it actually frees up my time substantially by surrounding myself with people that are passionate about the job at hand. So that brings me to my next question. Do you consider yourself retired right now or what is your current passion project? Yeah, so um, these words that are thrown around, retired has such a weird stigma to it. So I, I'm going to kind of roll with the, what I think I heard described before. So I'm a man on purpose, and my purpose is to usher in heaven on earth for myself and others, with or without their permission. And what I'm doing to enable that is reverse engineering all the practices that I use, and I've created a subscription service on uh, evolvedlife.com. It's uh, life with a Y. And actually, for anybody listening to this, if you go to evolvedlife.com forward slash positive for positive productivity, which is use positive, then you can actually get 28 days free on this. So you can actually see some of the modalities that I've used. And I've been building out courses depending on the stages of consciousness that one's in. And it's all a la carte. So you can figure out like which one best vibes with where you're at right now. Where do you find most of your inspiration right now? So really, it's actually just sitting with what I call my heart intentions right now. It just keeps driving me. Previously, I would look outwardly and look at people. I, you mentioned a couple of people before, like Tony Robbins, or I could say like Jim Canfield or Wayne Dyer or Bob Proctor. I mean, there's so many great people out there right now really sharing a, a wonderful message. However, it's pretty rare to meet somebody that's actually in the stage that I'm playing in right now. So Ben Rode, he started off as a healer for sexual trauma. Him and his wife are the highest paid healers of sexual trauma. Six years ago, the guy was a mailman. Now he just bought over 100 acres in Costa Rica and is building a place for full community and resort type center to help people experience this heaven on earth. So him and I like totally aligned. Um, I also work with a, a guy named Nigel Henry goes by master Nigel. And he actually has helped me to awaken to a, a level that's higher than just like living at my ideal life, but actually living as a leader and as a master as a one that can actually create and manipulate their matrix around me, how I see fit. Wow. I'm going to take the question that I asked just a little bit further. You said sitting in your place of heaven and earth, right? Is that how you phrased it? Um, I think it was sitting in my heart intentions. Thank you. Sitting in your yes. heart intentions. I love that. But what I want to know is, where do you find yourself? Like, are you literally sitting 
Or for me, where I feel the most inspired is I'll just be driving down the road and all of a sudden, bang, here comes another idea. Listeners, I don't think you can sit and force yourself to try to think about something. So sitting with your heart intentions, I love that. Just being open to receiving whatever your higher power, God or the divine or whatever sends your way. You can't be forcing that. It will come when it comes. But there was a day last week when I was in the shower, I know TMI, and all of a sudden, bang, I got hit with a huge idea. And it wasn't just the idea. And listeners, you know, I have chronic idea disorder. I have to be careful about how many ideas I'm trying to tackle (laughs) at one time. But it wasn't just the idea, but it was the complete how it was going to happen, who I needed to have involved, when it was going to happen, what it looked like. Everything was just bang in my head right then. I knew that I could not say no because it was right there. So is there an activity that tends to bring about more of these inspirations for you? Or you live on the beach. Do you find that when you're (laughs) sitting in your heart intentions on the beach that you tend to roll in like the waves more? Yeah, you're killing it with these great questions here. I love this. This is getting me to introspect quite a bit. So I really appreciate it. The more introspection I do, the more clarity I create. So thank you so much for these insights. So definitely driving, definitely in the shower, definitely when I'm in a pause, these great ideas come. And I think the reason why that happens is because the mind finally shuts off and then spirit can actually come through and give a message. So what I do as a daily practice is is actually sit and just listen, but listen to my heart. And I just envision my heart speaking versus the mind speaking because the mind has so many ideas. I'm an idea making machine too. And a lot of them are really great ideas. They're just not all for me. I can't do them all. Like I think that's something that you might have I mentioned that, that. You kind of feeling too. So it's a matter of actually which one is the one that resonates with my heart that I'm going to enjoy and I'm going to love and I'm, I'm going to be like on top of my whole entire life. Like it's going to be commitment. So when I commit to something, I'm going to fulfill that heart intention, either die trying or I'm going to commit until I fulfill it. So that's actual real commitment. There's not like little stages of commitment. Either I'm committed or I'm not committed. And if I'm not willing to commit to that idea to see it all the way through, then I might just jot it down for later or give it to somebody else as a nice gift. Or if I really want to make it come to fruition, then I might go find the who and then hire them and then have them do it. Right. Ian, I think you just cleared up my whole block around meditation, which I have never done successfully because I've always been listening to my mind while trying to meditate Mm. instead of my heart. And my mind, it looks like if you could draw my brain, like the thoughts, it looks like the New York City subway system full of people, trains going everywhere, even directions that they're not supposed to just extremely loud. So meditation in that never works. But while you were talking about listening to my heart or listening to your heart, I closed my eyes and I was listening and it was just so quiet. Like, I'm going to have to work on that. I've actually got a little bit of time after our call before my kids get home. I want to know what it sounds like. Beautiful. And and I'm sure that you're experiencing this already. This is intuition a lot of times called intuition so it pops up because the heart is much stronger than the brain it's there's more neuroactivity more neurons going on in the heart and the gut so that i like to think of the mind as the brain the heart and the gut so those three things when they're in alignment like completely unstoppable it's when i'm out of alignment and i'm one of the questions before was how did i give up control right control is like the attempt to change divine order it's the attempt to be out of alignment and still create. It's just forget control. Like I have no idea what's going to happen next. And the more I can be comfortable with that and allowing, knowing that my life can perpetually gets better. There's dips in the way that one perceives the, the reality. However, like even anger or frustration or fear, I think those emotions are all gifts. Like anger is a gift to let me know that one of my core values have been violated. 
beer is a, a gift to give me actually more energy to overcome my obstacles, um, overwhelm would be one to upgrade or frustration also upgrade. So it reminds me like, oh, it's time to upgrade, man. You didn't get what you wanted? Figure it out. It's completely in your control. So completely my control. There's a saying out there that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Mm -hmm. I think they actually even say how you react, which is a dangerous word. Because react is no actual thought, no, (laughs) nothing going into it. Yeah, it's just like, boom. Yeah. And if somebody has high stage of conscious competence, then then that can work. However, it's more of a, a response of a react. I like to believe that life is 100% how I respond to it. I am responsible for every single thing that comes into my awareness. And the closer it is to me, the more it's true in me. So in the times where my wife and I, we're twin flames, so we're always upgrading each other. <laughs> and there's always friction in some, I shouldn't say always, there's often friction that actually results in like a whole new set of distinction and set of rules that, so I actually love that there's that kind of friction because it allows me to introspect in who am I being. And that's another practice that I would like to invite anybody to experience the heaven on earth is asking oneself, like I ask myself moment by moment, who am I being right now? Who am I being? And that gives me a great opportunity. And all those times I used to be waiting at a stoplight or at a checkout and be like in a rush to get to doing the next thing. Instead, I just stop there and think, who am I being right now? Mm-hmm. And is this the, the person that I intend to be? And my intention is, uh, I call it the usher. And that's the one whose presence allows others to experience heaven and earth. So am I being that person right now? Yeah, absolutely. I used to joke with my ex-in-laws that we would go to the stop and shop in Mount Vernon, New York, and we mm-hmm. would come home with an unexpected bag of impatience in temper. <laughs> because oh my God. just the people who were just so impatient, like the, you know, 50 people in line for the deli counter. Why don't you just enjoy your time while you're waiting? I love it now. And I've talked about this before on the podcast where Ian, I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van. Okay. Your neighborhood would joke or would laugh me off the block. Like I would so not fit in. And it doesn't always pick up just as fast as some of the other newer cars or even older cars do. So people get a little bit annoyed waiting for it to come to full speed. I think it's actually pretty funny. And they'll they'll drive past me really fast and flip me the bird. And instead <laughs> of, you know, getting upset about it, I shoot them back and I love you sign language hand, you know? And they just look at me and they're totally confused. And then I toss them a smile i love seeing their perplexion that's beautiful i might venture to think that nobody is looking down or judging in any way shape or form and it's just a matter of they're in their own little world and they've got their own little agenda and they may be asleep to the fact that they're creating their own hell on earth by getting so upset over i like that a lot i was that person for a period of time where i was was like because I race cars, I race motorcycles, like I, the rules of the road, like that's for other people. Uh-huh. It doesn't apply to me. Like I get it. Some people can only drive 30 miles an hour and be <laughs> present. However, if I drive 30 miles an hour, I will be texting or reading uh-huh. through Facebook or doing an Instagram post or doing a video on some new insight that I have because 30 miles an hour, it's like I might as well just be watching water boil. Right. I mean, I can sit there and think about who am I being right now. Uh-huh. Usually I'm just like, you know, I'm going to be the race car driver that's going to have fun with this awesome machine I get to drive around. I love it. Okay, so I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of the episode about how you don't say no to any opportunity based on money, right? Yes. So one thing that I've talked about on the podcast before is about shiny object syndrome, how a lot of us can get caught up in buying stuff that we don't need. So can you address that for me and for the listeners, how we can go into opportunities that are beneficial for our business with no concern and knowing that this is the best opportunity and we should put our money there versus shiny object syndrome? Because I I do think that we need to still be careful. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I I think I'm glad that this was brought up because that's maybe a little out of the, the context that I was intending. So 
just the, the fact that money is not the reason for it. Cause I've definitely acquired quite a bit <laughs> with now over 300 acres in Texas and all the equipment and everything else. And those things ended up in some ways owning me cause now I have a responsibility to them. So the key thing that I look to do and is something that I'm always focusing on is how is this going to impact me? Is this going to really improve my quality of life and for how long? So my wife and I struggle on this one quite a bit because she's a April baby and her favorite stone is her birthstone, which is diamonds. Me, I don't understand. I wouldn't wear diamonds. It doesn't make any sense to me. They're just that flat. But for her, it makes her feel good. It allows her to really feel that she is the angel that she she is and display it in, in a beautiful way. So for her, it actually creates a major impact on her because it changes her entire vibe when she's dressed in a really nice dress and has her makeup done professionally and has her hair colored exactly how she intends to. And, and for me, that kind of stuff doesn't really affect me nearly as much. I'm more like I'm going to be comfortable so anytime I'm going to make a purchase decision, it's really about how does this impact my life? So whether it's for my business or for just having fun, is this going to be the most impactful way of spending this money? And for me, it's actually less about the money now. It's more about the time. Is this the best way for me to use my time when I purchase this thing? Is it going to require my time? So I watch the guys out here doing all kinds of kite surfing. It's like really good for kite surfing right out from my building. I've done a lesson for kite surfing. I had a blast. I'm a, I've done a lot of adrenaline stuff. It gets me into like a nice state of flow, meditative state. So I really enjoy doing that. However, I'm not running out to go get a kite board or a whole kit because I'm actually right now, I realize I'm not going to have the time to invest in that. And there'll be one more investment that I make that now I have to nurture to create to something. So that's how I make those decisions is really, I look to see how it's going to impact my life. Is it going to give me more things to do that I don't have time to do? Or is it actually going to create a better version of me that I can take with me everywhere I go? I love that. And that's what I've actually seen a lot of people get into problems with when they're purchasing programs and trainings for their companies. They don't think about, is this the best use of my time right now? Or going back to the who, who should I be bringing into my business that already knows this? Mm. They already have the experience. I don't need to start from scratch because that's not where my passion is. I don't, mm, I don't want to name any names here, but like a webinar program. Should I really be spending two, three, four thousand dollars on learning how to create awesome webinars? Or can I bring in somebody who's already, you know, stellar at doing it and just have it all done? Because spending 10 to 20, 30, 40 plus hours just on the training, plus creating our whole webinar deck, and this is just a random example. Is that mm -hmm. really the best use of our time? Is that what we're more, most passionate about? Is it going to open us up to more opportunities because we feel good about the work that we're doing? For a lot of us, no. Yeah, unless my business, my core competency is webinars, then it probably doesn't make sense. Or maybe I really think I'll enjoy doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm, I've just intended to do because it brings me a massive amount of joy. So that's the other place that I like to make choices from. I think earlier in the interview, the word decision comes from uh, the word decidir, which means to like cut off. It's a, I think it's a French word. And that means like I've got all these options. I've got all these thoughts running through my head. I'm just going to cut off the ones that aren't making the cut. Whereas choice is actually made after a certain level of consideration, which consideration is actually like weighing in how it makes me feel. So I only make choices when I'm feeling great. When I'm in that depressed or retreat mode, that's actually a gift to me. Like, okay, that means I'm just being told to take a break right now and rest. So no decisions right now, no choices, no, none of that. I'm just going to sit here and feel how I'm feeling so that I can recoup my energy and come out of this and actually make choices when I'm in this place of joy. So when I'm getting to that mode where I'm coming out of it, then I'm going to do something to make fun. 
like I'm going to go sit in my spa downstairs or I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to go for a walk on the beach or I'm going to make love to my wife. or We're going to go out to dinner with some friends and get myself in a place where I'm like feeling really good. And then I'm going to make decisions based on opportunity, not based on like some fear or some limiter. Oh, I love that. I want to apologize to you. The drill and the hammering has now followed me to another part of the house. So listeners, I am so sorry. But positive product. Actually, no. That Somebody earlier today told me I need to stop apologizing. Positive productivity is not about perfection. I am going to embrace the fact that we are about to buy our house and that there is work that needs to get done and that is accompanied by drills, saws, hammers, and whatever else comes along with it. Is that a good way to go with it? Yeah, I like that. I'd like to thank everybody here that's listening that may hear it for sticking on. And yeah. That's my wife's from Canada. So when she comes on, it, it might be a sorry contest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Rochester originally. So yes, I, I'll blame it on Canada too. Isn't there like a, I'm hearing a song now, might be South Park, blame Canada or something like that. Yeah. So because they, they love saying sorry, but yes, they do. And so much so that I don't say sorry like a New York anymore. I said sorry like a Canadian because I hear it so much. And when I hear it now, it's just a reminder for me to forgive myself. However, my wife's technique that she gave to me and gifts all the time is to actually replace it with thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you for da da da. however it feels good. So, I, and by the way, I, I um, can't hear the drills. That's fabulous. Yeah. And I'm going to have to borrow the thank you as well. So today I'm leaving with listening to my heart and thank you. No sorries. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to say I won't say sorry when I need to say sorry, but the thank you for your, oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. In the times where I'm like really in that place where I'm feeling like needing forgiveness, then I might say, please forgive me rather than sorry. And there's another saying, a Hawaiian saying called Ho'oponopono, which loosely translates to... I embrace you. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. Say that one more time. Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono. I know yeah. I just messed that up, but I, I love it. Yeah. So yeah. it's got this underlying feeling. So people that know it, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, this is beautiful. Like, I'm embracing you. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. It encompasses a, the essence of all of those and, and some more. That is so beautiful. This whole episode has been beautiful. So thank you so much for being on. I have enjoyed every single second of this. Awesome. Awesome. And that, so I got a question for you. Are you experiencing some heaven on earth right now? I am. Because just the entire shift of not being sorry, but being thankful to you, thankful to God, thankful to the universe that I get to experience the background noise. This is my heaven on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And thankful to the, the listeners who are tuning in here and, and witnessing this. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Listeners, I'm thankful for you. I did not mean to overlook you. I'm thankful for you every day. <laughs> and with Great every fact. message that, that I receive and that my team receives. So thank you very much. And I would love feedback. And I know Ian would as well on this episode. So if you would take a moment or two and visit the website at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP368 and leave comments down below, we would so appreciate it. Ian, where can listeners get in touch with you? And I, I know you gave a link earlier, which we will include in the show notes. But where can they get in touch and learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. I attempt to be very interactive with it. It's a little busy. However, I don't outsource that stuff. So I do get back to everybody. It's uh, I-A-I-N-G-R-A-E, Ian Gray. And i uh, got the extra I and both A and E on, in the gray. Confuses people quite a bit. And then if you're compelled to learn some more of these practices and how it's not just information, like on here, I can give out information. However, in the evolved life, it's all about practice. It's all about practicing and 
introspection. So I actually have exercises, practices that one can do one time and get clear, or it might be something that they choose to embody on a daily basis. So that's actually in the evolvelife.com. That's life with a Y. And you go to forward slash positive, you'll get 28 days free because we'll know you came from here. Fabulous. I love it. Thank you so much again for being on. I really can't wait to go and listen to my heart because I have been working on finding a meditation technique for at least a year and a half that would work for me. And I, my heart is telling me that this is the ticket. This is it. Mm. So thank you. Wonderful. And, and please keep me posted on how that goes for you. And there's all kinds of little nuances that we can add or remove as things come up. So let's stay in touch and let me know how it works. I'd love to hear the results on that. I'm excited for you. I definitely will. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Oh, the key for experiencing this heaven and earth thing I talk about, which seems so crazy to so many people, is actually it has nothing to do with any circumstances around me. It's everything to do with me taking responsibility for everything that comes into my awareness and using what I see in my outer spection to allow me to have better introspection. And I, I speak in first person because it's my experience. So it really helps me to really embody that beingness. So I'd like to invite everybody out there, like speaking in first person versus saying you, 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 you. That's a very common word that we use. And the truth is, it's, it is about me taking responsibility for everything that comes into my awareness. The more I take responsibility for them, higher my consciousness raises. So I'd like to invite everybody out there to experience this by taking responsibility for every single thing that comes into awareness. And, and when doing so, this means no blaming anybody else. As soon as the fingers point at somebody else, three are pointing back at me. So this is a, a practice. And in doing so, people will actually experience, well, you know, I do. And people that I've, I've shared this with experience higher stages of consciousness. And they allow, they actually are manifesting the life that they've desired, their version of heaven on earth. So that would be my biggest piece that I think is so incredibly important. People sometimes hate to hear it. However, the greatness is, uh, lies in all my errors. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Bye.